Hello, I'm Michelle Merrill, assistant conductor of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. And when I'm not running along the riverfront or eating wonderful food or conducting the Detroit Symphony, I'm listening to my favorite radio station, WRCJFM HD1 Detroit. Well, isn't that nice? And I, I thank you, Michelle Merrill, for that, uh, who joins us now live here in the studio. Hi, Chris. Nice to have you with us Great again. Great to be here. And uh, you brought a friend. Yes, better than a friend, my spouse. Steve, Hello? Steve Merrill is here from uh, one of the rare, well, maybe it isn't all that rare, opportunities you guys get to get together. Uh, Michelle, of course, is the assistant conductor of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, and we'll be doing uh, something 30-ish events or so here in Detroit. There's one coming up on Saturday. We'll yes. talk about that a bit yeah. later. Uh, and Steve is principal percussionist for the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra in Florida. Uh, and I guess we'll get started, Steve, with uh, uh, you played a concert last December mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. It was Handel's Messiah. Yes. And you had a guest conductor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes guest conductors can be, you know, can, can be a little challenging. How did it go? That went pretty well. I was a little bit fond of that conductor that week. Um, <laughs> that happened to be Michelle doing that one. Yes. Um, it, actually, uh, she actually, I don't actually play on the Messiah because it only has timpani. There's no percussion. But oh. I've, so I, I didn't mean to burst your bubble so, on that one, but I've done so plenty was, of concerts yes. <laughs> with her conducting, uh, including some in Jacksonville that she's come down to conduct. And how, how did that, well, you know, I, I shouldn't put you on the spot here uh, on the radio, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're both professionals and, yes. and you just do your job. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. No, it's never, never any animosity, I don't think, at least. No, I just treat it no differently <laughs> as any other conductor and I hope it no differently as any other musician, you know. It's actually great for me to have, you know, be married to another fellow musician, another orchestral musician, because... It's really interesting to hear their perception of other conductors because sometimes, you know, they, oh, I really liked when this person did this or I really hated it when this person did this. Uh, so I can take a little tally mark of, uh, you know, what to do and what not to do. So, so you can get so, the honest truth. There's, you yes. don't have to sugarcoat. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can always get the honest truth from your spouse. So it's so has Steve made you then a, a better conductor? Oh, in some for ways? sure. I think, I think, you know, us as a team together, we, we always kind of try to have Team Merrill. And uh, just yeah. trying to make each other better and inspire each other. He's one of the hardest working people I know. Um, and, you know, he's been that way ever since we met in undergraduate school. So it's yeah. been great to have Giving him. me any credit for her success is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so hard, though, uh, in, in the music business. I don't know. People might not have a real appreciation of how nomadic the life yeah, sure. of a professional classical musician can be. Sure. You know, we get that question a lot, like, why don't you just get in the same orchestra? Yeah. And and it's just, it doesn't work really that way. It, the orchestra kind of chooses you because, you know, there's only so many jobs available. And say for the job that Steve auditioned for in Jacksonville, 150, maybe 200 applicants for one position. Yeah. Uh, my position, you know, in, in similar fashion. And so the likelihood that you actually end up full-time in the same place is just really rare. But we're lucky because we get to travel back and forth. And anytime, since most of my work is you know, 85% at home, if I am not needed in a particular place physically, I can just go to be with him. If he's not needed physically where he is, he can come to be with me. And it ends up being a lot of Sky Miles. A lot of Sky yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, Steve, what what sort of started the whole idea of getting you both on together was a piece that you wrote for uh, a paper in Florida uh, about flying and how mm-hmm. you hated morning flights. Yeah. 
and the aroma of the Fritos of the woman sitting next to you. But but there was a a, a line in the article that uh, you said, despite all this, the pre-dawn Fritos, uh, quote, I was happy. I was happy because I was on the way to see my intelligent, charismatic, and beautiful wife. Very well written, sir. Oh, well, thank you. And man. well played. Well, yeah, the uh, the symphony there is, has a, a monthly blog that our music director normally writes, and he had kind of taken the summer off from writing it, and they had asked some musicians to do some of the months. They asked me to do this one and talk about Michelle and myself um, and sort of our life going back and forth between Jacksonville and, and uh, Detroit. And that, that story about the Fritos was true. He got <laughs> off the flight here in Detroit and said, you will never guess. This person sat down right beside me. They were as nice as could be. Well, it was... It was 5.30 a.m., I think, at the time. Really nice lady. And then she popped open like a jumbo-sized bag of Fritos, <laughs> which I'm, I'm like only an eighth of the way awake. And, yeah. and that aroma was very disorienting. It, yes. was, <laughs> it was an interesting experience, to say the least. I think she did offer you some, though. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, oh great. She's nice. Uh, good, good that's chat. okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, <clears throat> but it, it, apparently you found a way to, you know, long distance relationships can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, but you just celebrated your ninth anniversary. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we did. So, so far, so good. I so guess, far, huh? so, so we're on season 10 now, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But no, it's been really great. And almost uh, with the advent of technology, I think you know, we can text each other constantly. We can FaceTime every night. We can call each other whenever we want to talk about anything. Um, and we really rarely go more than about two weeks without seeing each other in person. And we try to make that kind of a, uh, a definite because there, I think my first year here, we went about three and a half and I said, oh, I can't do that. Even if I'm just home for a night, it's, it's worth it to be able to see each other. And I think just be, be together and with that physical company, just yeah. to see them and, and hold their hand. And in addition to that, you know, as a musician, a, a large chunk of your work, really probably the majority of your work is often at home or you're practicing, working on your craft, working on music for the upcoming weeks. Um, so we tend to be, you know, we're often together during that time, and then we'll often go to work together if, if I'm fortunate enough to be doing some work in Detroit or she's doing some work in Jacksonville. And um, so I, I will sometimes tell people, I think if you counted up the number of hours we're actually together and compared it to someone who lives in the, you know, a couple who lives in the same house and has nine to five jobs, we probably have the same amount of hours actually together because... Yeah. When we're in the same city, we're constantly together and we often can, working together. We can go have lunch. We actually just had lunch at Russell Street right before this. We'll go and run the DeQuinder Cup probably later this afternoon. <laughs> so we get to do all these things together, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, and you mentioned running the DeQuinder Cup. You guys spend a lot of time outside. Yes. You're, mm-hmm. you're uh, athletes in a way. That's pushing it. <laughs> yes. <that's laughs> well, but you're, you're out there working – we know how to pretend to do some athletic activities. <laughs> well, here, dear listener, if, if you're on Facebook, go to Michelle's page and just start browsing the photos and see where these two have ended up. I mean, your, your last summer vacation was uh, in Yosemite. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you're not just sitting in the car watching the bears. <laughs> it, it, you climbed, you were on, on some crazy peak of, of some sort. Yes, Half Dome, the, one of the most famous peaks. It's one of the most famous day hikes in the park. And we did it four years ago. And I think Steve said, oh, we're going to Yosemite. I want to do this hike. And we started, you know, reading about it. I watched a video and it said like, oh, you know, you people have died. And I start thinking, I'm not <laughs> doing that. Yeah. And then, you know, he we finally com- he convinced me. And so I did it. We loved it, thought it was great. 
And we were out in California again. Steve had a music festival, um, and so we thought, oh, why don't we pair that with another trip to Yosemite? Yeah, we were only four or five hours away Oh, yeah, so it was perfect. So we went out and decided to do this hike again, and it was just as gorgeous as as we remembered. I mean, some of the hike getting up there, even the falls, Vernal and Nevada Falls, if you've ever been, you know know how gorgeous that is. But there there is something to be said about standing kind of on top of a mountain and thinking, hey, I I conquered this. And, And actually, Steve pointed out on our way to California, we flew right over the valley and we could see the top of it. So I really kind of like that wow. image of being able to see where we'd be standing in a, in a few in a few days. You don't have any aspirations for Everest or anything like no, that? No, no, <laughs> definitely at all. not. Yeah. <laughs> Way too dangerous. <laughs> My guests are the Merrills. Steve Merrill is principal percussionist with the Jacksonville, Florida Symphony Orchestra. And of course, Michelle Merrill is assistant conductor for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra right here. And... Stephen, you didn't start with percussion. Your your mom got you on the piano. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I started my uh, piano with my mom when I was five years old, uh, and she uh, was and still is a piano teacher. Uh, teaches a lot of piano students out of uh, our house in in the Dallas, Texas area. And uh, I started with her, I guess, when I was five, and played piano for about ten years until I started percussion. It's actually a great instrument to start out on for percussionists because the you know the piano keyboard is arranged in the exact same way as Glockenspiel and, and the uh, xylophone mm-hmm. and the rimba, all the different keyboard instruments we play as percussionists. So it's kind of a nice starting point. I think the interesting thing, though, is he has two other brothers, and their slots for practicing in the morning <laughs> were 6, 6.30, and 7 a.m. So whoever's month it was oh, to we be were, at 6. We were forced think. to practice piano children, <laughs> for sure, but I, I'll, I'll always be grateful that we were. And uh, how did the transition to uh, away from the keyboard to things you can bang and, uh, fun. and crash? <laughs> <laughs> got to hit stuff harder. Um, it, most of that was in uh, <laughs> Dallas, in Dallas, Texas, and most of the band programs there start um, in the sixth grade. So basically, when I got to sixth grade, I I started playing percussion and and just have done so ever since. Love it. Nice thing about percussion is just there's so many toys. Mm-hmm. To yes, play our with. master bedroom in our house in Jacksonville is the percussion <laughs> studio. Yeah, <laughs> it gets it gets a little weird at times. We're doing a piece this year. It's the Ligeti Piano Concerto. Oh, um, which is a really neat piece of music. But the second movement has this section where it's just like a two solo wind players and a solo slide whistle, and it's pitched <laughs> slide whistle too. Um, I'm really kind of worried about that concert this year because I don't know if I'll be able to get through it without laughing. Um, and then there's also like a solo harmonica note at the end of the movement that just fades away into nothing. So that may be the most ridiculous thing I do all this year. Wow. And then, well, of course, this summer he perfected the sleigh bells of all things because yeah. of Mahler's Fourth Symphony, which starts out with these kind of Christmas sleigh bells. So mm-hmm. sometimes you get to have a lot of fun as a percussionist, and sometimes the job is really weird. It, yeah. Well, you made a reference uh, somewhere I read about uh, TSA and sleigh bells. <laughs> yeah, that was the in summer. Your luggage. So you carried them with you when you traveled. Yeah, yeah. Um, believe it or not, I had done some research and bought a particular set of sleigh bells that I wanted to try out for Mahler for, so I took them with me and um, so we had them in the, in the, in the baggage and it, it definitely drew some eyebrows from some of the security, I, I bet. but we, we ended up shipping them home cause I didn't want to hear them jingling in the suitcases. <laughs> we were driving all through Yosemite and cause we went there next after the festival. And Michelle, how did you get to conducting? Oh, goodness. I, I, I mean, I that's a long answer. Like, yeah, like it? Steve, I start, actually started out on piano. I think I told you maybe my first week here, I started out cause I was trick or treating and the 
piano teacher that I was getting the candy from also was giving out her business card attached to the fun size oh, candy. Oh, Greatest really? marketing strategy ever. Um, but then, you know, I just, as I went through school, I, I just loved music. I, in high school, sometimes the teachers would leave on festivals or conventions and they would actually put me in charge of the class. And I'm sure my you know, friends didn't like that, but I got to run rehearsal and kind of run the band program class. And I started to kind of really enjoy being able to kind of collaborate with everybody and kind of put a vision forward of what I was thinking the music was saying. And so when I was in undergraduate school, I started taking uh, private lessons with conducting. Uh, when we got married, we moved up to Boston. Steve got into Tanglewood one summer. I would go and travel out to see him. I would watch some of the conducting uh, fellowships, uh, the people in the conducting fellowship work. I would see uh, the teachers work with them. And I started to really think, you know, I really want to work with orchestra. So it kind of all went from there. I contacted our old teacher at our old alma mater and uh, started taking privately with him and then got into his program, which was great because he worked so closely with the Dallas Symphony. So I was able to go and just watch any rehearsal I wanted to. Mm. And it just grew from there. So it's it's been a great ride for sure. <laughs> and when the opening happened in Detroit, were you thinking, oh, gee, Detroit, I don't know. Do I want to... Actually, it was, I was in Northeastern Pennsylvania at the time, and I was the assistant conductor there, and it was the music director there, uh, Larry Lowe, who had known uh, uh, Maestro Slatkin and had written him an email when he knew that the assistant conductor, Teddy, was going to be leaving. And he said, you know, I I see that Teddy's leaving. You probably are going to be having an opening. You should consider my assistant. She's been doing a great job. Um, And so the next day I got an invitation to come and audition. And so I was one of eight, and uh, I I was thrilled even just to be able to come in an audition, I remember the night before I was to do the conducting portion, Steve uh, sent me a text that said, you know, no matter what happens tomorrow, you get to conduct some of the greatest music with some of the greatest musicians alive and enjoy it. And, you know, I still think of that every single time I get in front of them because I was fortunate enough to win the job and it was a dream come true. But every day I get to work with these fabulous musicians. It is a pretty good orchestra, Oh, it's isn't fabulous. It? Yeah, so great. The hall's not bad either. The hall is not bad yeah. either. Although Dallas has a pretty good hall, too. Yes, the Meyerson. That I remember being in fifth grade taking a, a field trip. Yeah. Did you take field trips to the Meyerson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so beautiful in there. And uh, the lobby is huge. It's one of the biggest orchestral lobbies I've ever seen. But it's always it's a, it's it's definitely an orchestral home for us. It's it's nice to go back and hear the Dallas Symphony when we're in town. Yeah. But yeah, there's it's the it's hard DSO. to compare to the other DSO as they as they yeah, say to me right. down there. I have yeah. a good friend. Uh, <laughs> he used to play uh, principal bassoon with the Dallas Symphony, and every time he says the DSO, and by that I mean the real DSO, <laughs> not Detroit DSO. Oh, so I oh, always have to correct oh, him and say, oh wait. <laughs> so it's it's a battle back. It's yeah. pretty fun. Uh, yeah, you're a Detroiter now. Yes, I mean, yes. That's, that's tough. Don't mess with Detroit. <laughs> uh, you, but you had a few years ago, Michelle, a, a, a Leonard Bernstein-ish moment where you had to fill in at the last moment. Oh, yes, was, that's true. Um, so my teacher, Paul Phillips, had to fill in for Yacht von Sweden at the DSO, at the Dallas DSO. And so he called and said, hey, can you fill out? I'm doing Shostakovich 4. And I thought, oh, my God. That's such a huge piece, but I jumped at the opportunity, learned this piece. Uh, I felt very kinship with it because uh, I was 30 at the time, and Shostakovich was 30 when he wrote it, and it huh. just has such emotion and such power. Um, and, yeah, so I, it, that was a fab, fabulous opportunity. And I got to also, the first half of that concert was Shlomo with Christopher Atkins, uh, who's the principal cellist in Dallas. And we had a real 
kinship between the two of us, I think, in playing. It was it was one of the greatest moments. How, how much time did you have between the phone call and the, and the Ooh, concert? I don't know, a couple of weeks, I think, couple maybe. It was at least at least a couple of weeks for a big piece like that. Yeah. But this summer, I actually had to fill in uh, Mirga Granzanitia Tila. I think I got that right. Getting Steve's close. always helping me with the pronunciation. Ah. She was coming to do one of our neighborhood weeks, and I was covering her, and unfortunately, she had visa issues, so I had to step in and do the first rehearsal with Sleeping Beauty, which was a lot of fun, too. But then it was also great to have her come, and she, she had a fabulous week here. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, you have concert. You both have concerts coming up, and then I have a couple of goofy questions for you to wrap <laughs> things up. But uh, uh, Michelle, you're conducting this Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Uh, New Music Detroit's uh, uh, marathon, the Strange and Beautiful Music Nine. Uh, this year, they had some pieces that were larger uh, and needed conductors, so we're doing David Lang's "Are You Experienced" with uh, Principal Tuba Dennis Nolte playing amplified tuba, uh, Jimmy, yeah. a la Jimi Hendrix, so that'll be really fun. And then we're doing a new piece by Andrew Harrison called Hum, which is based on uh, five poems from Jamal May's uh, book, first book of poetry entitled Hum. And, and it's really powerful. The poetry is, is, is great. I'm about to head after this to go to our first rehearsal, so... We'll see how it goes. It's all kinds of stuff going. It starts at 2 o'clock? Is yeah, it starts right? at 2. Saturday? I think the New Music Detroit set starts at 8. And I think it, go, yeah, it, it goes, goes all like day. It goes 10 o'clock. Yes, so. yeah. And that, that'll be in what used to be the Music Box and is now called the Cube. Actually, we just or got you... moved over to Wasserman Projects in Eastern Market. So we won't be in the oh, Cube for okay. this one. And we, yeah, Wasserman is, is a new space, I think, for everyone in New Music Detroit. So it'll be, it's supposed to be very cool, though. So All right. So information at DSO.org? Yes. On that? Yes, definitely. And then uh, you'll be doing the community concerts this yes. season again. Yeah, I'm very excited about that to um, kind of go out. And I have a little, yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. You're doing four different places mm-hmm. in just in three days. Uh, you're doing two on Friday. Uh-huh. And then uh, Saturday and then Sunday. The the dates, by the way, are September twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth. And uh, the program includes the Wagner Prelude to Lohengrin. There's a Tchaikovsky Waltz, uh, Dance of the Tumblers by Rimsky Korsakoff, a whole bunch of John Williams, and Finlandia. That that'll be fun. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Is it a challenge for you to move from one? one Venue to another? Have you been to all these places? I, I haven't. I'm not sure if even the orchestra has been to all these places because I think they they vote on uh, the community votes on where we want to go every single year. Yeah. So it's it's you know we always love playing in orchestra hall, but I think the greatest thing about going out into the community is that we get to be where other people are and we get to see people in kind of a less formal setting. Uh, not that you have to be formal at Orchestra Hall, but it's just nice to sometimes go out to where everyone else is living, where they yeah. might not have to come downtown. So it should be a lot of fun. And I particularly like kind of our mix of we've got kind of these great classic pieces with the Wagner. We've got a beautiful prairie night and celebration with the Copeland. But then we also, if if you're a fan of the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, this is some of the first times to get to hear the music outside of the outside of the movie theater because the suite just came out for orchestras to start playing so that should be fun and as we've we've discovered here in, in numerous interviews about john williams music there's a lot going on oh and, yeah and w- it, this isn't simple music no it's not no it's not it's it's very powerful and actually i'm not sure if he's playing or not but we might have dave everson uh, playing principal horn on that concert and he's actually the one that played it in the movie ah. uh, played principal horn so well, it's kind of so fun you when go. you get that little added bonus <laughs> meanwhile in jacksonville florida uh Stephen, you have concerts beginning on September 30th, Rachmaninoff, and Rite of Spring. That's right. Mm-hmm. That should keep you a little busy. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, we've got the, the Rite of Spring, which 
to me is sort of rock music before there was rock music. And yeah. I get to hit a bass drum really hard. So that one's a lot of fun, definitely a classic. And, and we're also doing, in addition to the Rachmaninoff Second Piano Concerto, uh, a piece by Julian Anderson called Imagine Corners. Uh, it's a piece, I don't remember exactly which year it was written, I think in the 90s. Um, but it involves a lot of interesting percussion. I, I've got about four octaves of tuned cowbells that myself and another one of our percussionists in the section <laughs> have to manage. Cow- more yeah. cowbell. Yep. Yes. Lots and lots <laughs> of cowbell. I'll, I'll I request a dollar from everyone who makes that joke to me during <laughs> the week. So I, I think you owe me a dollar I, now. I, 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 I will <laughs> gladly pay it because I, I, I wish I could have stopped myself, but uh, <laughs> it, it just sort of popped out. Yeah. Uh, one other gig, and this one kind of scared me a little bit, is that, uh, Michelle, you're going to be playing in Boise, Idaho. Yes, yeah, Boise. Um, so I'm coming up um, uh, up for a music directorship there, doing some Tchaikovsky 4. But, um, but, but we don't want you to go now, away. No, it doesn't necessarily mean I would even go away. No, well, so I, we, yeah, uh, right. But. <laughs> and I, w- I want to be involved with the Detroit Symphony as long as possible. So no worries there. I know that's raised a few questions from some donors I've talked to and other patrons. Like, oh, no, we don't want you. We don't want you to get it. We want you to get it, but well, we don't want you to get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I would always hope, uh, I feel for the past two years, this city and this orchestra has been my family. I don't think that'll ever change. So no matter what happens. I but, think, but on the other hand, the idea of, of, of your music directorship, now here you are, you, it's your season. Yes, yeah. And so you can, that's, that's, that's the nice thing because I have had the opportunity to be here. I've had the opportunity to watch Leonard and his uh, mentorship and directorship as a music director. I, I will go after rehearsal sometimes or just when he's in his office and he always says, you know, my door is open, come ask me any questions. So it's, it's been a really great time for me to kind of learn the business of going from an assistant conductor to then branching out and being my own music director one yeah. day. So it's well, definitely been a good good experience leading up to hopefully something else happening like we, that. We wish you good luck, but if it doesn't go through, we won't be too sad yes. about <laughs> it. Uh, there, was, there were a couple of peculiar things I came across. And one was, uh, Michelle, your relationship with the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Oh, <laughs> no, no. I <laughs> think find this so, many people, is... so many people so many people ask me why. Okay, because my hashtag, uh, um, not my hashtag, my Twitter. handle, my handle oh. on Twitter, Instagram, and my email even is mmerrill and then 787. And it was like, do you love uh, the Boeing 787? Yeah. I said, oh, no, that's my anniversary date. That's, that's the day I became a Merrill, so. Ah, that's see, so nice. That's the honor, the, <laughs> the honor to that. And, and uh, uh, Stephen, uh, in your and uh, the website for the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra, mm-hmm. they uh, they have a, a section for you with with a bunch of questions, and they asked what your favorite food was, and your answer was celery, <laughs> <laughs> and and. I don't think of celery as a food. I think of <laughs> celery as a texture. It, it's. Oh, I'm gonna have to admit. I admit I wasn't exactly being honest there. I was. Uh, I was just going for a cheap laugh. It was a good. I honestly, I actually don't even really eat celery almost ever. If it's yeah. available, I'll eat it. I have nothing against celery. I, it seems like a very wonderful vegetable, but it's it's not something I eat too often. Unfortunately, it's. A, I. Uh, what I, I I think it's a fraudulent vegetable. It's all well. Anyway, good way to put it. It was was, what a a great opportunity to talk to both of you, and I I I hope we get a chance to do it again wherever it is you'll be working. You know, Boise's a lot farther away. It is from Jacksonville. (laughs) 
But uh, beautiful good, country out there, though. Good luck to both of you, and thank you so much for your musicianship and the and the, the good concerts you bring to us. Well, thank you. And uh, check out at dso.org or Jack's Symphony, J-A-X Symphony.org, if you want to find out more about my guests. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.